Nelson in looking for Garza backside and in for the first goal in Atlanta United history from Yamil Assad. Take a look at history. Hi, y'all. Five stripes is hell, don't they? Oh, Jay yeah. Sam Jones here from Dirty South Soccer. Joe Patrick from Dirty South Soccer is right here. Say hey, Joe. We are live from an East Athens Golden Corral, and we are in a good mood, man. We're eating mm. big tonight. We're going to the Chocolate Fountain. We're doing everything. We're rolling big at the East Athens Golden Corral because Five Stripes, big winners here tonight in Atlanta. 3-1 win over Columbus. Welcome to Five Stripe Final, the only highly distributed audio discussion discussing all things Atlanta United. And there's that was a good to intro. That was a good intro. Much to discuss. Oh, yeah. It was a great game. Um, it's so nice. You know, la- after the last game, we left in major depression, um, not getting the win, and then having two weeks off, like 14, 15 days, to just just simmer in that in that terrible result against Toronto. So it was great, you know, the, tonight. Um, the team played well, and it was a tough game. I, I think that that was kind of my main takeaway from this, um, not just, you know, watching the game, but then afterwards um, talking to the talking to the team uh it was they all said columbus is one of the best teams in mls and they make you work for 90 minutes and i think it was that's why it was so great to see the team tonight uh really come out and and play an entire 90 minutes um they weren't dominating the entire game from start to finish but you didn't see like the lapses right the mental lapses that that we've seen in some of the other games this season yeah, no, last time we were standing right here, Joe Patrick, we were very, like you said, kind of depressed. We just kind of spent the next 15 days or so just kind of wandering in like a, a Mad World video. It just kind of followed you everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the gross result against Toronto, everything was kind of veering towards that same kind of feeling here for a while. Uh, Jose Martinez does strike first, though, to get things going for Atlanta in 31st minute. Ties the record there. He didn't want to talk about it. We may not talk about it that much. Um, he did. He did finally kind of make mention of it. Well, he was. Yeah. He was like, "I'll celebrate when I do break. When I do break it." And he's kind of always had this set up this facade of like he doesn't care at all mm-hmm. about the record. But tonight he was kind of like, "Yeah, let's just wait until I actually break it, and then we'll kind of." talk about it more maybe that was him just kind of trying to put everyone off the scent and just not wanting to talk about it but we'll he's see. excited we'll see. he just doesn't want to let on yeah yeah i mean he, he, he got a game ball from from the team i saw him um all the players signing and then i saw him just you know sitting there reading all the messages to him so he was definitely appreciating he was he was feeling the love tonight it was, it was good to see absolutely absolutely uh almost doesn't get the result though for a moment there like we said we were we were kind of worried uh yes Zardes does score and make it 1-1 but fortunately tito Vialba saves the day this Adventure of a run he makes right behind us, where he just sprints down the wing and cuts in to tie the, or to give Atlanta United the lead at two one. There was incredibly fun to watch. And then Miguel Almiron finally gets a monkey off his back, and you and Felipe Cardenas, Car, Felipe Cardenas from <laughs> the Athletic, were, uh, were were talking a little bit about a uh, expression they were using to kind of describe that. Yes, yes. So they call. I get this was new to me, but I, I really enjoyed this. And yeah. I I don't know if this is a certain part of South America or just all of South America or all of like Latin America. They call it shaking the salt or shaking off the salt is what they call it, and it basically means the same thing as like getting the monkey off your back. Um, but I, I, I like shaking the salt because, or shaking off the salt because the salt apparently, like when you can't score, um, it means like you you're salt, like you're you're covered in salt. That's like a bad, you know, 
just sounds bad. Sounds yeah, gross. Sounds, sounds nasty. Bad. You don't want to be covered in salt. You want you want that salt off you. Mm-hmm. So it's called shaking off the salt. And uh, he actually, I, I talked to Felipe. I, I said, did you get to talk to uh, Miguel about that? Because he said that he wanted to ask him. Right, and right. Miguel didn't really do any media, but he said he's beat past by him in the locker room. And he just mentioned it to him. And Miguel was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He gave him a big <laughs> reaction when he said that. So that was kind of funny. Well, perfect, perfect. Yeah. I'm glad he got rid of the salt then. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's that's the whole the whole thing was taking off the shirt was uh-huh. like a, was like a symbol of like I'm rid of this. I'm I'm I'm, I'm this is off of me now. Yeah. Which so I thought that was very cool. Hey, not bad time to start doing it. We're 25 games into the year, and already a game better than last season in the win column. One more win than the inaugural season in Atlanta United history, which we both definitely knew before Tata told us. Yeah, yeah, uh, totally. Because we we do our job and we do our research. Uh, But that's extremely encouraging. Uh, We have a Hudson River Derby coming up Wednesday that we're hoping for. I think a draw there would probably be the best result. We'll do the math on that later. Uh, But then a game against Orlando. I almost said easy. I'm not going to call it easy (laughs) because something something screwy could happen. But Orlando's trash. Um, so, you know, it, it's an extremely, extremely positive night tonight. We separate ourselves three points ahead of Red Bulls. Of course, Red Bulls, a game back. They still have yet to play that. Uh, but, God, it, it feels well, good, man. And, it feels good, you and know. I, and I asked Tata if it felt bigger or more important tonight to get those three points after what happened last night with the two teams from New York both dropping points. And he said yes, but I, I was actually – interested to hear him say that or kind of admit that the team had not capitalized on those kinds of opportunities earlier this season you know we've we've seen Atlanta really have a chance to separate itself um, from the top of the league yeah. for from the rest of the league and in, in the Eastern Conference and they just and they haven't taken it they haven't they haven't taken that chance and at times you know speaking of Tata admitting things he also admitted that the game con- could have gone another way uh, yeah. for Atlanta United Very tonight well after they got the goal back they were definitely on top for, for a bit um, but, you know, it just kudos to Atlanta for kind of, you know, weathering the storm because, you know, mm-hmm. against good teams, you're not always just going to be dominating the game for 90 minutes. They weathered that storm, and then they were finally able to uh, deliver the fatal blows. So Zarda scores, and Zarda has had an entire acre of oh, space right about us. He had so much room, just a ton of room. And you kind of went, oh, God dang, we forgot how to defend for like <laughs> 10 seconds here, and then we're going to go right back to being – just fine, like we normally are. It kind of worked out that way, uh, but there were like five minutes there instead of ten seconds where Atlanta United just did not have anything together at all on the back line. And really the whole game, the the back line was running with their backs turned uh, a majority of the time. Columbus yeah. was very, very good they, at getting us turned around. I was actually very surprised by that, by the fact that what we talked about on our pregame show that Columbus had only scored in three away games this season, mm-hmm. three of their 11 away games. They, they had scored, and they, it seemed like they had plenty of chances tonight. Um, maybe not like the final chance in front of the goal, but they were at least getting like positive counterattacks against us, which is exactly what they did when we played in the playoffs here as well. Yeah. And I think that that's why Tata's very fearful of them not fearful but you know he said that Columbus is a team that makes you concentrate for 90 minutes and if you lose that concentration that's when they'll punish you and I think that that we kind of saw that tonight like they, they, they were constantly pushing at any time Atlanta got a little scattered positionally um so yeah yeah, yeah. It, it, it makes it all more impressive that that win both teams also had some pretty big chances that they missed. Uh, Tito, before he had that big uh, run, had a he was wide open in the 18 and just skied it. Uh, Chris McCann tried to hit the the curtains <laughs> behind us at one point. 
Um, Justin Miram, who is still broken, bless that poor boy. Soul. Oh my gosh! He uh, whiffed on a ball inside the box where he was pretty open. Um, so there were some moments where things could have turned really, really quickly. There was also an instance where we thought maybe a handball from Jeff Lorenowitz. Uh, we have not seen the replay. Yeah, I haven't seen the replay. Um, but the, the indication from Twitter from people I like and respect was that uh, his hand was in a natural position by side. Uh, it really didn't matter too much. It didn't. We couldn't see anything super. Uh, Super clear up here in the press box. It didn't look like anything to me. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really honestly see it. I couldn't see it just from the angle that the play happened and from where we were sitting. When it hit the hand, it was like behind his body from where we were. So I couldn't actually see the handball, but I was worried that they were going to go back and review it because we saw that happen in the homegrown game. Um, That's exactly what happened, actually. There There was a VAR... Um, appeal, basically, or, or, or something that the, that the ref mentioned that he was going to go look at on VAR, and then like a long time later, there was a long buildup by the by the other team, which was the the American Homegrowns. They ended up scoring a goal, and then they went back, looked at the VAR, decided it was a foul, and then so took away the, took away a goal, you know, and then it would it, that would have been a penalty for Columbus, I believe. Right. Yeah. So that would have been absolute disaster it's and a massive swing. And that's where like VAR can really turn a game, you know. Yeah. Um, and and that's where it really kind of toys with your emotions as a fan. You know, you you put something like that behind you when you're celebrating an amazing goal that that Tito Bijalba just scored. It could have been yeah. the goal of the year. So, um, yeah, it is what it is. I mean, I for one am thankful that VAR wasn't used. I think like. It's so funny when we talk about VAR, everyone says, oh, it was great in the World Cup. And like my response to that is always like, yeah, because they didn't use it nearly as much as they use it in MLS. And right. I feel like that's one of the huge problems with it. Um, so, I was, ha- yeah, I mean, obviously I was happy as an Atlanta United fan seeing them not use it. But then just just, just for, for humanity's sake, I was happy. <laughs> for, for humanity's sake, for, for the lives of the good people here at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, um, who all would have needed Jesus in a special kind of way if that had been reversed. Um, because, good Lord, could you, could you imagine the reaction here <laughs> towards the people involved with that if that had happened? Um, I think there would have been some Lord. bottles thrown. It might have been uh, <laughs> infield fly rule, Sam Holbrook, uh, yeah. all the uh, other that, kind of things. That's what it first came to my head. Yeah. yeah, it would have been a mess, uh, fortunately. We come out on the, the the right end of it. The right end of it against a very good team. Let's not let's not skirt around that either. Columbus is a solid team coming in here fourth in the conference, and they're really really good. Mm-hmm. So big win, big win. And you guys had questions about it. Plenty of questions. This first one comes from Zach Attack, who says, "Who's the best striker in the league, and why is it Jesse Zardes?" He kind of has like a lightning round of questions, but we'll go through oh, them all. Okay, yeah, because they're very good. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, Jazzy Zardes. It's so funny. Like he doesn't. He needs like one touch, and he's gonna and he can score in that way. He's like Joseph Martinez. We kind of mentioned this on our pregame show as well. In that, in that, these teams both funnel the ball to their strikers and only want them to score goals. They don't really care for them to do much else. I mean, if they can do anything else, it's a bonus. But like, really, their fundamental job is to score. And I mean, he showed that tonight. Like yeah. he, he got one opportunity and he put it away. Um, there you go. So yeah, uh, maybe not the best striker. In MLS, though, I would give that to mm. the guy with a with a season record for for goals in a year. Yeah, uh, but we did have an Alfa like the living so embodiment. Well, yes, <laughs> but we did have the living embodiment of Alpharetta Dad come and tell us one time that Jesse Zardes was was better than Joseph on a night where Joseph scored like twice, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, way to go, good job, buddy. Way to still the the 
the Zardesanots, the Giassian, whatever. <laughs> Giassi Zardes' resurgence is just fascinating to me on multiple levels because he had about, I don't know, four goals over the last three years before coming to Columbus and all yeah. of a sudden taking off. Well, that's the, I feel like that's the key is like, you don't want him touching the ball more than he has to, right? right. You want you only want him so like taking one touch. Don't scoring. do anything. Right, 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 right. You don't want him taking any more touches than he needs. Otherwise, he's going to screw it up. Absolutely. Um, this next question uh, is, is pretty he, forward thinking. Uh, I'm going to skip that one okay. next to it because no, no. Um, but since I asked, since we said it, is Brad Guzan the best keeper in MLS now? No, it's Zach Stefan. Guys, guys, it's Zach, it's Zach Stefan. Or Tim Milia. I don't know. It's probably Stefan, though. I, say, I, I will yeah. always say Stefan because Stephen. I, I, I would be cursing myself if I, yeah. if I didn't. He still owns us. Anyway. Uh, supporters shield aside, will Atlanta win MLS Cup? Sure. Why not, buddy? Yeah. I, <laughs> it's a crapshoot. I mean, it, Come on, you a, five stripes. Yeah, it's a single elimination tournament, guys. It's like... It, yes. Whatever. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we're going to do it. Yes, yeah, Zach. Keep the faith. Um, supporters shield aside, that's really the real kind of this question. Is, this, but, yeah, yeah. This is the best question. Okay, so the next question is, uh, do we really even want CONCACAF Champions League after what's happened to Toronto? What's your take here? What's your yeah, take? bring it on. Hell yes, I do. Why not? I'm not scared. No, I, seriously, like I, I think one of the allures of, of CONCACAF Champions League is just the the chance to see how you stack up against you know teams that you wouldn't otherwise get a chance to play. I think that's yeah. such an exciting proposition. I, I don't understand why you wouldn't want that at, at the sake of you know possibly possibly not. Um, performing as well in the league, but I think that that's also kind of another. It, that makes I think the league season more exciting to watch because it's in a different context now. Now, now you're like trying to manage these different competitions a lot. Like you know, we see our favorite European teams. I mean, most of us choose to follow a, a European team that is involved in some sort of European competition along with their domestic league, and so that's always an issue. Yeah. You know, when you're watching them during a season. So I think I think that's a fun. I think that's a fun part of watching soccer and. Yeah, I would welcome it greatly with open arms, and I wouldn't let it go. I would absolutely embrace the opportunity to, to potentially be uh, named the best team in, on the continent. I don't yeah. see why we would, we would avoid that in any way. And by the way, I think Toronto, if you gave that, I, I think even knowing what they know now, I think they still would have wanted that chance to compete in CONCACAF Champions League and do the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Next one comes from at ATL Greg one who says, Great result, but a closer game than it looked. Got to clean up defensive lapses and be quicker in transition and first halves. I, I think in transition especially is looking at the defensive aspect for it, mm-hmm. where a couple times we did get called out on the break and there were uh, just these really open pockets of space that we cut off a couple times in the beginning, but if we hadn't, if it, like maybe the ball goes a little bit wider or maybe we missed up just a little bit, they're in on goal. Uh, there were some really scary, scary moments that we got to see from up here where everything just kind of opened up for Columbus and a little bit of a better pass could have made this a really, really bad day instead of a really, really good day. Um, the concerning thing still, though, is, like we said, sometimes 10 seconds we just kind of forget what we're doing out there defensively. And I'm not sure who that's on. I'm not sure why it keeps happening. 
But it kind of seems like every now and then you'll look up and, oh, hey, Jesse Zardes has no one within 30 yards of him. Right. Here we go. I think part of it, too, is just you have to – I think you have to give Greg Berhalter some credit in how he sets up the team in terms of knowing how to attack Atlanta when Atlanta – because Atlanta – he knows Atlanta wants to do certain things when it has the ball going forward. It wants to push up. It wants to kind of spread his players out. And he kind of knows – he understands the best areas to – um, position his attacking pieces in a way that can hurt Atlanta. So I think you have to give him some credit there. And I also think you just have to kind of accept the fact that there are going to be times under in, in a in a style like Tata Martino's and in a game as competitive as this where you're just going to give up chances. Like not every you don't like only against really really bad teams can you really go through a game and not like give up serious chances. Um, but especially the way Tata Martino plays, wants his team playing, which is kind of like on the edge. Um, there's just you're going to be putting your defenders sometimes in precarious situations, and yeah, like it probably went beyond that line of, of comfortability yeah, in this yeah, game. No. Um, and, and there are definitely some things to clean up. But I but I would just you know drive that point home that this game was still positive and that they they got through those moments right and they yeah. and they were still able to get a result against against a really good team just, just despite being in those in those negative scenarios speaking of good teams it brings us to our next question from at coach pib who says does this mean that we uh, can coach, get rid- coach pib coach pib I mean, that's, that's just a really funny it's, name uh, it's dr pib's brother-in-law um, does this wait the, shoot, the slacker, Pitt, the, right, the slacker yeah, yeah. who didn't go to exactly. get his doctorate? Yeah, he just got a gym degree. Um, <laughs> yeah. Majored this, in PE. <laughs> does this mean we can get rid of the story about Atlanta can't beat good teams? The English here is really very close to what you would get from <laughs> a PE degree. Does this mean that we can get rid of the story about Atlanta can't beat good teams? Um, they can't beat good teams. Good, can they? Throw it in the bin. Uh, I yeah. think that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I never really bought into that narrative to, no. to begin with. So, um, But I do think that this is a case of them beating a good team. Like, I think a lot of people right. will downplay this this win as them being, like, because it's basically, like, first beating a good team was a playoff team, and then beating a good team was, like, a certain playoff team that, yeah. that someone, you know, arbitrarily thinks is good. Um, I think Columbus is a, is a really, really solid team that's very difficult to play against, so... Um, yeah, I, I would consider this a win against a good team. Now, whatever context you want to put that in or anyone else wants to put that in, I don't think it, it kind of maybe what he's getting at is from national media. Like, will national media start to kind of turn their opinion? Because I think Matt Doyle has been one that's been sure. kind of pushing this this uh, agenda. And I don't think that it will change that perception. That that that's a, That's something that the national media will just kind of... It, it, it's a stick to beat Atlanta United with, and they like that because there aren't that many of those that exist. So I think that they will, yeah, pretty much stick to that that kind of that narrative as much as they can. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that narrative is a real one necessarily. And here's the thing: I don't really care. I don't really care. Yeah, I don't either. Because here's the thing: uh, we just beat Columbus, and Columbus is was the second best team left on our schedule. After this, we have a whole bunch of fluky, garbage, awful, terrible MLS teams coming up. And at the end of the year, we have uh, a meeting with Red Bulls up in Harrison, New Jersey. And that's the that's the toughest game. It's and that's the only game. really, really tough team we're going to see from here on out. Um, so we have a lot of room to continue building on a leader top of the supporter shield. I don't care if they're against bad teams. I don't care if they're against good teams. If we're at the top of the supporter shield by the end of the year, I'm fine with it. And when it comes to MLS Cup, it 
doesn't matter about anything ever. I don't even know why we care because, again, <laughs> single elimination tournaments, even if you throw in ties like this, are dumb because anything can happen and it's not a real true measure of value because it's just kind of random and chancy. So it doesn't matter if we can't be good teams because anyone can in, in the last cup. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Why don't you read this next question? Because I got some questions ah, great. about it. This one comes from at Kirk Cherb Street, who asks. This also comes from uh, at Gabe J. Gonzalez as well, as they seem to have teamed up to uh, continue asking this question week by week. Who asks, why did my wife leave me? Um, I, kn- I know Cherb Street. I know Gabe. Neither neither of them are married. Um, they are just they're just nice college kids who just. Happen to keep bothering us at, at our show while we're trying to do serious professional journalism. So I, I can't tell you guys anything about that. Uh, you are both not married, nor have you ever, ever been. And I have no answer for you. I love inside jokes. I'd love to be a part of one someday. God, me too. Me too. <sighs> anyway, moving on to our next question. This one comes from at Kevin Gorham, who says, Honestly, Remedi might be good at soccer. Kevin, I agree. I agree. He's like one of the first names on the team sheet. He's got to be. Like he, he looks incredible. He, I, we, I. Well, do you, let, let's talk about Nagby. Let's let's talk about Nagby. How he fits into this because I said yeah. Remedy's not coming out of the lineup. I said this after the game. Let's play a fun fun game of how the hell do you get Nagby back in this lineup? The answer is you don't. In my opinion, not right now. Who do you take? That's out? strong. That's strong. But I I I, I agree. <laughs> I think. I mean. He, I think he will come into the starting lineup against some of these weak teams because Tata Martino will want to get him game time to kind okay. of get him caught up to speed by the time the playoffs come around. But I agree. I mean, I think when you go into the play- MLS Cup playoffs and you're facing off against really good teams, I think you want that strong central midfield of uh, Jeff Lorenowitz and, and Eric Rometty. Yep. I don't see any other way you could do it. So You're not going to put him wide. And tonight, like you know, it would have been night. Nice. It would have been great to have him on the bench yeah, in a absolutely. game like this. He, I mean, he would have made a difference when we were pushing for that when it was tied. I think it was tied one-one all the way up to like the seventy-fifth minute or so. So I mean, it was it was kind of getting into desperate times, and and that's the time when you would want to call on a player like him to kind of help come break through. So I, I think that he's a fine bench player. It's just weird to think of him that way, considering he's like you know a very good U.S. Men's National Team player. He was a very key player under Jurgen Klinsmann when he was. In that role, so it, it, it's strange to think of him as a bench option, but I think that's what he is on this team. Maybe, and maybe, maybe in the future, um, next year, when they there's, they can kind of rearrange some pieces through the transfer window, they can kind of find a better place for him. But I think just with the injury that he's had, it's unfortunate for him. But, yeah, I can't see him being in in the starting lineup for a huge game. Yeah, no, he, he's essentially just the upgraded version of Kevin Kratz. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Uh, when, it, when he's going to be coming off the bench, uh, which does kind of bring up the issue. How is Kevin Kratz going to get his contractually obligated appearances in? That's a great question. Uh, but the depth on the team is going to be great once we get those guys back. Greg Garza seems to be doing well. Uh, also, saw him in the press box today. He was also doing a little bit of TV stuff, but it seems to be kind of working his way back towards being ready. Tata mentioned him yeah. in the post game along with Nagby as people they're expecting to have back. By the end of the year. Well, I actually I, I talked to Tata this week at training, and he actually mentioned that Nagby is looking like it's possible that he could be back before Garza, which okay. was surprising to me because Garza has been shown on Instagram and some other thing, not specifically, but like people have seen him like in the background, you know, doing some yeah. workouts and stuff. So I think a lot of people, myself included, thought 
figured he must be somewhat close, and he probably is. Like yeah. Tata, you can tell by the way that Tata talks about him is that you know he's definitely relying, going to be relying on him um, down the stretch of the season, which we are currently in right now. So I, I would think that he would be back soon. But I I think I was just more surprised with Nagby um, mm-hmm. that he said he could be back even sooner. So I would honestly rather have Garza back first. To be totally I would, honest, uh, yes, yeah, Chris McGann got called out a few times tonight. Uh, he just didn't have the speed. Honestly. Yeah, and it looked like he took a knock at the end of the first half. Looks like he, he did. Uh, thought, he, thought he broke his of, collarbone, but he was fine. Yeah, yeah. He would be like the first player I've ever seen who um, committed a foul while breaking his collarbone, like mm. injuring himself while fouling another player. Um, that's always fun. He's such a weirdo. <laughs> he is very. God, he's, he's such a strange dude. He is strange. I saw a bunch of the coaches laughing at him in the locker room because Doug Roberson goes over from the AJC to try to interview him. McCann is in just a towel. And instead of like getting up and like, doing anything but being slumped over in his locker he just stays there and does the interview like laying down in his locker with just a towel on him <laughs> and the coaches are pointing at him and laughing I got self-conscious I thought they were talking about me no they were talking about Chris McCann just being a, a weirdo he's great we love him he's so strange <laughs> I don't understand why but here we are here we are uh, gosh I, I have so we many won't things I want to say but I don't want to say we won't go to McCann's corner not today. <laughs> Not today. Um, corner was when he was when he drilled that ball into the yeah, yeah. section one twenty right there up into row thirty two. God, we used to there used to be a thing with the Braves where they had uh, for Brian McCann McCann's cans and it was just people. Yeah, yeah, I remember cans. that. Yeah. We need a uh, Chris McCann version. Yeah. Of that, but yeah. like instead of like Coke cans, make it like the mechanics or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. We need the a mechanics. Chris McCann fans get it going. Get it rolling. We need going. more costume people in the stadium. Yes. Like I feel like that was a thing with the Braves. Um, yeah. You know, there'd always be like a group of people who are just college kids. Really weird. Three dollar seats. Right. But, yeah, you know, yeah. We need we need more weird in this fan base in general. To we be do. Totally honest. We do. Unless. Less islands of things. Yeah, I mean, like, feel free to, you know, come dressed as, like, Spider-Man and row, if you're sitting in row 21 or something. Yeah, yeah. Sp- shout out Spider-Man. God. You See, like that? You mentioned inside jokes. You, <laughs> you bring one right back. Wow. God. Life's a tapestry. Life's a tapestry. We'll, we'll, let, we'll let them in. Tata Martino called a certain member <laughs> of the press Spider-Man uh, today. For very important reasons. Yes. Um, um, very graceful reasons. We'll see if that yes. reporter ever makes known who he is and, he and said, why He said happened. he was going to own it. So I'm hoping we'll see. to see we'll like see. a handle change or something mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see if Spider-Man uh, takes off the mask here sometime mm-hmm. soon. <laughs> right. All right. All right. Joe Patrick, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Final thoughts? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's good to have... We've kind of talked about everything. It's good to have a win. Oh, uh, I guess my one final thought would be that that goal by Tito has got to be goal of the season right now. Goal of the year for... At least for Atlanta United. Um, I think Joseph Martinez called it like the best goal he's ever seen. But I don't, that may have been lost in translation. Um, maybe, I don't know if he was talking about from Tito um, or whatever. But anyway, that was amazing. That was, that was an amazing goal, and I would put it up there. I can't quite think of every goal that we've scored off the top of my head right, right now. But, uh, we've, had, we've had two really like good it. runs. We had a Miguel against Orlando where he kind of shook off a few people and made it all the way down, and then uh, Tito right there with that yeah. run yeah. as well. I'm not sure which one I, I would pick at this point. Tito's may have carried more weight at this point, which would be the second year in a row that Tito has done, you know, something that constituted him as goal of the year. Yeah. You know? He scores, awesome. he scores so amazing goals. And really then he funny. misses really, really easy cheap shots uh, in the middle of the 18. 
So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotta love him. Gotta love him. I did like how he mentioned that it, it reminded him of a goal he scores in FIFA. Right, yeah. He's playing yeah, with yeah. Atlanta. That's exactly what it is. You just get on the wing and you, it is true. And you just mess with the it's AI. You know how to goal. handle someone running right. sideways. <laughs> yeah, the two center backs like stall when they bump into each other. And then, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, for sure. It's beautiful. Um, oh, God dang it, Scott. Um, well, we do want to talk about this. Uh, we didn't even mention Barco did get into. We should probably talk about him. Thank, yeah. thank good, you. Good uh, your name disappeared. I didn't see that. Oh, was thing for reminding Twitter's us. Twitter's brutal sometimes. Uh, Barco did get back in. He seemed uh, very eager to get back in when he was he was very energetic. I thought coming into it, he said mm-hmm. he was good after the game. If he had to have gone ninety minutes, he said he could have. Uh, but you know, of course, he's working back to speed with that. Um, Someone did ask him about everything else, which... They just said, what happened? Right. <laughs> and uh, he just said it was the coach's decision, and then go any further on that. And uh, neither will we. Uh, but I'm sure he's been well-drilled on how to deal with those kind of questions from hack media people like us. <laughs> um, so it, it seems to be moving towards a positive uh, direction. Uh, it's just going to be one of those things that takes time with any kind of division or anything like that where mm-hmm. you know you'll have people kind of mad at each other or for whatever reason um it just kind of takes time to kind of sort those things out and and heal those wounds now let's um we could say this for our preview but let's get into it a little bit right now okay starting lineup for orlando is he in it because i just thought tito looked way better once he had come into the lineup not necessarily because of him but just because that allowed tito to play on the right and i thought he looked much better tonight on the right side Wondering, but then if you do that, then Gressel's not starting, and we all know Gressel starts every game. So, not sure. I'm not sure. I, I think I'm kind of leaning that he does start against I thought, Orlando. I would think Ezekiel he, starts. He scored against Orlando yeah. earlier this season, so he's got good feelings of playing down there. That's my that's my good instinct. But yeah, yeah. No, I think that. And I think if he right. does start, then I assume that Gressel will be out of the lineup. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. God, what, it's what, so weird to think of the lineup without Julian Gressel. Right. What what a great bench we're gonna have though if everyone's kind of healthy in the playoffs. We're bringing oh. Gressel, Magby, and then whoever the heck else we want to. Kevin Kratz probably. Um, you know. So <laughs> it'll be good. It'll be yeah. good. Um, as things continue to get better. And better for us, hopefully. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. It's crazy, like, Atlanta, and talking about the injuries, like, when's the last time Atlanta United had a fully fresh, healthy roster? I'm not sure it's ever been in the history of this like, team. Because Joseph got hurt, and then as yeah. soon as he came back, um, nearly as soon as he came back, Miguel got hurt yeah. for, down the stretch of last season. And I wouldn't say he was, like, healthy for that playoff game that he rushed back for. And then, yeah, this season we've just been yeah. riddled with injuries. So, and even crazy. still, look where we are, y'all. Yeah. Top of the world. Top of the world. Um... Let's talk about some folks you noticed, Joseph. You noticed Nicky. You noticed Tito. Let's talk about some folks you may not have noticed tonight. Let's get to our Lorinowitz man of the night, Joe Patrick. Any nominees? Um, I would nominate uh, Franco Escobar. I think I mentioned him during the solid, game yes. as being a very solid player for us. And I think I said, you know, a, a solid game by Franco Escobar is just a game where he doesn't make an egregious error because he generally is he's a prone. good player. He's a good player, but he's just prone to those errors. So when he's not making them, he's actually really good, really helpful to mm-hmm. the team. But sometimes he can be hurt. He can, he can be kind of like a, a detriment, so to speak, if, yeah. when he's making, if it's a night that he's making those errors. But I would throw him up because I didn't see him making any. Shout out Leandro. Uh, for a couple things tonight. One, he made a, a huge run that almost resulted in a Tito, uh, but he kind of got stopped short at the end, though. It was still really funny to see him just kind of take off and get past a couple people. He also put someone in a spin cycle at one point. It was beautiful. Uh, LGP 
with the Techers there, which was nice. Uh, not his best game, but <laughs> I, uh, I appreciated the uh, the. He's a f- f- the, the the audacity. He's audacity. always entertaining. Yes, Andrew Gonzalez Perez always For sure. entertaining. For sure. And uh, his his he's having a baby soon, so mm-hmm. hopefully that all goes well for him. We know you're watching, Landro. So yeah. congratulations. And uh, I think the due date is the 28th. He mentioned this week in training. So oh, hopefully, I think I think that date. That out. I, th- I think that date falls. Yeah, yeah. Right on a perfect date for him. Well, as Harris Chris Kitch said, "Way to go, baby." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, good job, baby. Yeah. Um, before we do our quote of the night, I want to add a new segment. I'm going to call. Okay. Love uh, new segments. I don't know what I'm going to call it. Uh, Parky's cursing corner or something like nice. that. I don't I know. Get, we'll I figure it out. This segment. We'll figure it out. But uh, Michael Parkhurst uh, does love a good curse, and and so do we, <laughs> to be totally honest. <laughs> and we love telling you about the things Parky yes. says. Um, so Parky waiting for the media to come in is waiting for a uh, interview to go down. Uh, that interview does not happen because Joseph is still talking. He walks out of the locker room for a moment, comes back in. The media have already moved on to Julian Gressel. He comes back in and says, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> that's, that's my best my... Cursing corner. We have too many corners. I, know. I guess we can have four corners, though. I guess. That's true. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have to have two more. Uh, let's get to our actual quote of the night, though. Joseph, do you have one in mind? Um... Not really. My quote of the night from him, I guess, would obviously be uh, making fun of one of the journalists by calling him Spider-Man after he did something super clumsy. Yeah, there we go. Way to go, Todd's off. And way to go, Spider-Man. Spider-Man, just your friendly neighborhood. Press box Spider-Man hanging out with us here tonight. All right, y'all. That'll do it. Five Strikes winners here. 3-1 over Columbus. Back at it Friday. I will not be with y'all. I will not, which is a bummer. Uh, Harris Kruskic going to take over for me. For that one. I will still have plenty of hate though reserved for the preview H Dad whenever we get that out. Uh, we'll try to get an interview in that as well so you guys can learn a little bit more about our good friends down in Orlando. It's hate week. Who do we who the heck do we interview before Orlando? It's too awkward. It is, I feel like it it's is. super awkward. We have to have fun. Because they definitely someone. hate you. They're, they're kind of better with me, but you've written like two haters' guides about them, and I've they, they really hate you. Haters Encyclopedia, I have to update this week. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll see if we can figure out anyone who doesn't want to go in a back alley and fight us uh, to come on, <laughs> on our show. Uh, but it's hate week, y'all. Get excited. Get excited. Talk some trash. And make sure they know that they have terrible taste in music, life, and where they live. Um... But yeah, we'll get that out to you soon. We'll let you know. Follow us at Five Strike Final to keep up with that kind of thing. Follow me at J underscore Sam Jones. Follow Joe Patrick at Patrick 200 And follow us on Dirty South Soccer at Dirty South Soccer and at DirtySouthSoccer.com. Tell your friends to follow at Dirty South Soccer. We need to pass Sounder at heart. Yes, we've got to catch Jeremiah O'Shan and the rest of that crew over there. They do a good job, but they have more followers than us. We don't like that. We don't like that mm-hmm. one bit. Not one bit. All right, y'all. That'll do it. Shout out to Lucy Dawkins. Shout out to Sava. Shout out to Kyle Morton. Shout out to Craig Finn. Shout out to Phoebe Bridgers. Shout out to Lindsey Jordan of Snail. Shout out to Stephen Malkmus of Pavement. Shout out to Robin Pecknell to Fleet Foxes. Shout out to Big Boys. Shout out to LeVar Burton. I know you're listening because you follow me on Twitter and you say hey to me from time to time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shout out Jorge Thieler. Shout out Justin Bellamy. Shout out Boy Scouts of America. Shout out Gavin Egan. Shout out Jillian Sackovitz and Dan Gargan. And shout out uh, Ryan Alexander, head of sports science at, uh, oh, nice. at Atlanta United. Yeah. Very nice. I like that. I like that. By the way, by the way, I asked 
I just want to clarify that I did ask, just so no one can say I didn't ask. I asked how much money I would have to raise for the Fugees to get LeVar Burton to hit the Golden Spike, and they just told me outright no. Um, so... <laughs> He's priceless. Let your dreams die sometimes, guys. <laughs> that's that's all I'll say. Anyway, 3-1 final here. Bye, y'all. See ya.